So welcome everyone to the Fitness Devil Podcast. Again, Andrew is not doing the intro. I don't know what happened. We didn't record one. I think he left early, so that's what happened. But this week we got some, we got actually a panel of people, all coaches for Stronger Your Nutrition. So we have Derek Staley, we have Nick Sorrell, and we have Jeb Johnston. Hopefully I got all that right. And essentially we just talk about a lot of the stuff that comes up when you're coaching online or when you're coaching nutrition clients and some of the behavior changes that come with that and just really diving into some of the personal backstories to all three of these coaches and just seeing how that experience changes how they see things and how they, they I guess, coach people. And it's just a great wealth of knowledge from three awesome coaches. And honestly, we make some jokes. We have some fun. We talk about Jeff's career as a celebrity hairstylist like it gets crazy so anyways enjoy if you like it rate it share it give us a five-star review but see you guys in a bit shut up and sit down Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Andrew Coates here. We keep forgetting to introduce ourselves so people listen to these two voices and sometimes don't know which one is which. I'm Guido. Guido's sitting next to me. And we've been bringing back a number of guests lately. And uh, Nick Sorrell's come back with us. So he was a previous guest. It was an awesome episode. But we brought a couple of our other friends. And all three of the guys work for Stronger You as coaches. So we've got uh, our friends Jeb Johnston and Derek Stanley. So I think it'd probably be best if you guys each sort of individually introduced yourselves a little bit about your backgrounds. So we'll start with Derek, because Derek's only ever done one podcast before, so let's put him... We didn't pop his cherry, but... They didn't get the chance to pop my cherry. No. What's going on, guys? Uh, I'm Derek. First and foremost, I want to say uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really excited about it. Been super excited about it the whole last week. Um, but firstly, I'm a uh, new dad, trying to get that all figured out. Congratulations. Um, been a coach. Yeah, it's it's tough. Been a coach for Stronger You for a, about the last year and a half. And before that, I was a personal trainer at a really large corporate gym in the States called Lifetime Fitness. I worked there for um, a little over five years. Background uh, degree is in kinesiology. So I've you know always been super interested in uh, movement and uh, performance, all that type of stuff. And then more recently, I've gotten my uh, certification in precision nutrition and right now i'm actually working through uh mac nutrition university and trying to finish that up so good choice yeah. we've talked a little yeah. bit about those certifications before i hold precision nutrition so does <clears throat> dean i recently actually met martin mcdonald at a conference here in edmonton and that certification is something i'd love to do because that one's really highly regarded the mac nutrition yeah yeah man it's it's been great so far i really enjoy it Jeb. Jeb. Hey guys, uh, Jeb here. Um, let's see, my background, my background's weird. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> definitely not directly from the fitness world. Um, uh, I started out in my life as a musician, uh, went to music school in Nashville, um, was a songwriter, uh, toured around a little bit, um, and was playing music, which meant I worked in bars. So I was a bartender, ran <laughs> nightclubs, um, I, I didn't lift. I, I partied. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a good run. Um, but then later I, I moved into uh, hairdressing, which is also kind of a strange that's choice. An, I, that's an ironic piece of information. Yeah, has no, was, Jeb has no hair. By the I way. was a hairdresser in New York to like celebrities, supermodels, um, kind of, uh, kind of a weird run. But then I, it, it kind of led into um, fitness. I, Started training uh, with a, a good friend of mine who came really close friend of mine, uh, Sean Heisen, who was a uh, uh, the editor at Muscle and Fitness and Men's Fitness for years. Um, and he just kind of taught me everything about training, uh, about the history of all this stuff. And um, at one point, I was out to dinner with him and Ben Bruno, and they were like, well, why don't you train people? I, like, I don't know. What, should I, what do I have to do? What certification should I get? And, and Bruno looked at me and was like, all right, stop thinking about it. He's like, if you if you go get a certification, study every day, three months, I'll find you a job. I ended up ended up just working on my own. I was a, a just personal trainer and, and took on private clients, and that's kind of what led me to that. Nutrition has always been a big thing with me, probably for like you know fifteen years, but I really got into it in the last four or five. 
and knew Mike and Alessi and, and ended up working for Stronger You starting about six months ago. And um, I actually don't train a whole lot of people now. I have like four main clients with nutritions. I love it. It's kind of my main, main gig. I do a little bit of online coaching, and uh, but mainly nutrition. Yeah, I, I love to mention Ben Bruno. I've been following him a long time, and he's a funny fucker. You actually got to get onto his Instagram and just listen to him. But yeah, he's he's the one that really pushed me into simplicity and training. He's got great ideas about um, anything to do with a landmine or single leg movement. He's kind of famous for that stuff, and he trains Kate Upton. But what I like what you said, Ben doesn't have an extensive academic background, and actually neither do I in fitness. Uh, my background, my degree is actually in business, but you his can, as well. Yeah. And running can, bars. He's like the same as you. Well, I, I, actually, I used to own a bar too, yeah, funny like, enough. See? Oh, you yeah. did? <laughs> yeah. I used to own a martini nightclub. That's a long time ago too. And party lifestyle scene too. So wild stuff. Uh, but ultimately, and I believe this for personal trainers, like if you can take a road early on to go for a kinesiology degree or, you know, that, that straightforward education, great idea. But you can get a lot of people who know a lot about fitness, been enthusiasts a long time. You get certified and you just continuously educate yourself a from people like Ben Bruno was one of the best people I think to follow. You can be an amazing coach with and acquire what is the equivalent of a master's degree in training over the years of, of practice and study. Yeah, for sure. I just heard all that shit and I was just like thinking we're meeting in Sedona. You can line me up. I need to get my sides done. I, I was like, I don't even give a shit about this other stuff. You're a hairdresser? That's fucking sick. I actually had this. I sent, finally sent my wife to a buddy of mine to cut her hair now. I've kind of given up the reins. And the worst thing is, is he deadlifts more than me now. So he, I used to call myself the world's strongest hairdresser. And now he's he's got like a six-something deadlift at like 165 pounds. So I was like, okay, I'm done. That's why you got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he basically put you out. He, yeah. Speaking of hair, so Nick, uh, care to like share a little bit about you again? Yeah. Uh, so I've had like a weird career. So graduated high school at like 270 pounds. I met a girl I like. She didn't like me, so I lost 100 pounds, and I fucked her sister. And then <laughs> after that, I decided I wanted to get into fitness. So I, it was like my sophomore year of college. I hit up the head strength coach at the University of Louisville for the football team. Asking for a job, didn't expect a job, got a job, helped a few dudes get into the NFL. Um, then Charlie Strong, the head coach, went to Texas, so I didn't have a job again. Um, started doing personal training in person, and I was actually following. So you said Ben Bruno, that was one of the first guys I followed alongside, like Nate Green and Anthony Michael. And uh, so I started realizing that like the online thing was like a thing. Um, one thing led to another, and I ended up working with a guy named Jack Cassio and the and the professor. That that old and one player helped them release a product called Got Handled. Yeah, super. Uh, it's called Superhuman Dribbling. Um, that sucked. And then <laughs> I kind of went off on my own and started kind of networking. So I went to the fitness summit, started doing all that stuff, student personal training. Uh, I did that all the way up until 2016 um, when I called the owner of the gym that I worked at a cunt, and then he fired me. And then I met. <laughs> At that, at, that, at that point, that kind of inspired me to go full-time online, and so I was like, you know, fuck, because I was doing okay online, and sure enough, that month, everyone canceled. I made $600 that month, and I hit up a guy named Slav on Blanco. He gave me a job. He was doing kind of like like strategy coaching, kind of. Uh, he fell off the face of the planet, got real depressed, and his network kind of led me to a bunch of opportunities, so I ended up with Stronger You, working with you that was a great way of describing it. I'm yeah. sorry that we are all laughing, but I hope that's that. <laughs> it's it's actually like listening to Doctor Mike Israel ramble out about some shit, and you're just like trying to stifle laughter as he just randomly spews <laughs> out the funniest Dude, it's, shit. It's always hard to like to like distill all that, you know, because it's so random. And sometimes I forget parts of it. But it, it's great with like the the small little break. Of, yeah, that fucking sucked. Because at least you didn't like sugarcoat it. No. Well, I, know, great, I know Nick through Sly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met because like I that. hired Sly. Yes, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's actually crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I met Sly at the same well, the not this year's but last year's fitness summit where I met all three of you guys. Mm-hmm. And so Sly was there too. Well, I don't know him as well. Nice guy though. Well, I, I hope that you can kind of tell anyone listening that we kind of all know each other through different means and avenues, and we have kind of colorful past. And I think that that's why we brought everyone on here because we have a unique perspective on some of the stuff we're going to talk about. 
And of course, you know, Nick being blunt and not really giving two shits about what comes out of his mouth, this sort of goes <laughs> to where we're going. And I think this is particularly relevant. We we don't talk politics on the podcast, but it'll probably creep in on a superficial level. And he says it right here, quote, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I sure as fuck don't care who the president is. If you're unhappy with your life, that's on you, no one else. And to even stop before that, that that's almost a Backstreet Boys quote. The song. Okay. These guys sort of don't look anything like a boy band, if you look at them on screen. I don't care Mixed who you hat, are. sort of. Where you're from. I care what you did as long as you love me. Anyways, sorry. I really <laughs> Jet, Jet was in a band, you know? So. And, and I'll pull out some pictures from the early 2000s when I had like frosted tips and nipple rings. And it, <laughs> it worked for the boy band thing. A- Andrew's super mad I fucked that question up. Okay, anyways, sorry. Well, here, here's where it goes. Like, and this is what we're going to make the whole episode about. We have the ability to choose our actions and our attitude in the face of events beyond our control. And we want to bring you guys all together to talk about what I think is might be the most imp- important, powerful tool we have, everyone has, to make their lives better. And that's the ability to choose your own actions, your own attitude. So it, I'll ask all of you guys to go through this stuff. How, do you, how can we get people away from this fatalistic victim mentality <clears throat> to a place where they feel in control of their own outcome? We'll let, we'll let, we'll let Nick start it off. And then we'll, we'll kind of just go back and <laughs> forth and we'll figure out, we'll come to a conclusion here. So the question is like how to get them out of that oh, yeah. kind of like yeah. victim mentality kind of. Um, so like, so there's been like a few things in my life that like, um, to where I like, I could have like played the victim and stuff like that. And it would have been really easy to, so like, like how I mentioned, like I liked a girl and she didn't like me. Um, and then that like, I, I, I suffered from bulimia for like two years, like pretty, pretty uh, severely. And both those times, like I found myself in a spot where I like literally thought to myself, because, you know, both those, like, are painful for different reasons. Like, believe me, obviously. And then, like, you know, as silly as it is, like, when you're, like, eight, you're, like, a girl. Like, that shit can be, that can dominate your world, you know? Uh, both times I found myself asking, what happens if I never change anything? What happens if I never do anything? And 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 asking myself that question, like, whatever the answer was, was, like, very painful. You know, like, what happens if I die and I never get over this eating disorder or whatever? Um, and, and it kind of became more, like... I took control because I had to, because I couldn't stand like suffering long-term. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of have to get, to, they have to get to a point where like, like whether it's someone trying to lose weight or someone trying to like start a business or like quit their job or like whatever, like you, it, it's, it's almost like less about the goal and more about like what happens if you don't get the goal. And a lot of times that pain itself kind of like manufactures like control because it's like, you have to, it becomes natural instinct. You know, it's like, a like when there's a forest fire, like, like deer aren't running away to fucking get to the beach. Like they're literally trying to get away from like scary shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's like what anyone has to do. Like, if you want to take control, like there has to be a painful reason to do it. Jeb, you alluded to kind of some rougher places in your life and obviously you made some changes. So, <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, um, you know, kind of similar to Nick, I, I was I never had an eating disorder, but I was a pretty uh, severe alcoholic and drug addict. So, um, I mean, I, at one point in my life, I was facing a 25-year sentence for um, felony assault. Long story short, I got jumped outside of a bar by a big guy, and he didn't like that I was 145 pounds and knocked him out. <laughs> um, luckily, I, I, I got out of that, but I continued to drink. Um, went to rehab multiple times, uh, 1.4 months in a rehab in Pennsylvania. And... Um, I, I, I guess I was lucky in the fact that I just always realized that there was a reason that my life kept getting screwed up, <laughs> and that, that reason was me. Um, so I never really felt like a, a victim. Now, you know, um, I, you know, I definitely I came from an alcoholic abusive household. There was a lot of things in my life that, that I definitely could have could have looked at. And, and there was times when I said, you know, it's not fair. Why me? But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, like Nick alluded to in his in his uh, in the in the, the um, preface we had, it was up to me to change that. Now, I think it's very similar to what a lot of clients face when we talk about fat loss is is people that might be obese or have you know very big issues with eating. I had something that was out of my control, and that was alcoholism. 
I needed to take steps to find help in order to get that into control. And so once I was able to take those steps and find things that allowed me to have some, some semblance of control over life, that helped. Now, the happiness quotient actually comes, I think, from realizing that I really don't have control over very much and to only control what I can. So when we talk to clients, I think it's helping them realize that if they control what they put in their mouth, those things that are out of their control sometimes are a little bit easier to deal with, if that makes sense. It makes tons of sense because actually I was just uh, reading the book Originals by Adam Grant and he talks about Andre Agassi being the youngest of four kids. Their father was obsessed with the idea of having a tennis champion. The first three didn't make it. So his father was a abusive person who pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And if any Agassi's famous, anyone remembers, you know, he wore long hair, mullets and earrings and pink pants and all this sort of other crazy crap. And that was his way of taking control in ways that otherwise he didn't have control over his situation. This manifests in negative ways, often with things like eating disorders, because people are taking control in unhealthy ways over <clears throat> where they don't feel like they're in control of other aspects of their lives. I don't know if you guys want to elaborate on that thinking. Who are we going to talk? You know what? Let's get, let's let Derek handle it. Derek, let's bring Derek you're the hot seat. You, you don't I was, have. I was trying to be quiet. Like I don't want to have to follow up those stories from Nick and Jeb right there. Um, <laughs> Nick's clean cut, yeah, man. I think you know, like you said, the most important thing is understanding that you are, uh, you know, always in control. You may not be able to control what happens to you, but you can control your perspective. So, for example, um, like I'm. I consider myself pretty much the Derrick Rose of fitness. I don't know if y'all watch the NBA, but he's always hurt. Like he could be walking <laughs> on a flat surface and break his ankle. And that kind of shit always fucking happens to me. And, you know, it's it's really easy sometimes to get down on yourself and uh, play the whole card where you feel sorry for yourself. And, you know, it's like, oh, I might as well not even work out today because this is fucked up or this is hurting or whatever. Uh but the most important thing is that I just keep on trying to show up, you know, even if I feel like crap, even if I'm injured, even if my uh, hip is killing me, just go in, start doing what I can do. And, you know, eventually after you get into it for five or 10 minutes, you start feeling good again. And, uh, and, you know, some of the things that I've learned the most from are from my injuries. Like whenever I've hurt my shoulder, I seek out guys like Tony Gentilcore and I go to their seminars and I learn all about shoulder mechanics and I learn about the freaking muscles that attach to the scapula and all of that. And then that stuff helps me go on and uh, help my clients with it. Uh, and I guess that's a roundabout way of saying like shit's going to happen to you. You know, you may get hurt or uh, something doesn't go the way you want it to, but there's always something that you can take from it. And that's what I always try to portray to my clients too. Like if you fuck up on your nutrition, like no big deal. It's going to happen, but tell me what we can learn from it and what we can improve on so that that doesn't happen next time. You need to hang out more with Anthony Harder because he just, well, Anthony's chronically hurt, well, blew his peck. I'm pretty sure that that's the reason Ooh. why I learned so much personally too. Is just yeah, like, man. literally all my injuries pretty much define my path. But I think that, yep. I guess if you're talking with the clients, the whole goal would be how to, or I guess the process of reframing, I guess, issues into, I guess, exactly. wins. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually training someone yesterday, and uh, we were doing bench press, and he was talking about how it was like hurting the shoulder, holding hurting his shoulder, and I'm like, all right, well, on your next set, just do this and do that, and uh, and we'll see how it feels. And he did his next set, and he's like, holy shit, dude! He's like, I had no pain on that one. How did you know that? And I'm like, well, like I fucked myself up enough times <laughs> to know how to fix that kind of stuff. So, yeah. How much of it do you think has to do? Um, even in that situation there, like you changing their mental mindset on that, but like, it's, it's not actually, how do I frame this? It's more uh, mental than it is the actual problem. Like you could probably told them anything and it probably would have yep. fixed it. You know what I mean? Like the placebo effect. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's probably definitely a, that, that's probably definitely a role there. Um, but yeah, also just the fact that, you know, there are things that you can do to put yourself into a better position to reduce the pain as well. But yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of notes that I made about this one, and I think that hopefully we'll hit on all of them. Something that 
I've worked in environments before where there was a lot of negativity and a lot of complaining. And it's very easy to get sucked into that, um, that negative mindset. And I think moving away from complaining, because again, I think that's victim mentality. It's like, oh, that person did this. Oh, this shit's not fair. And not allowing yourself to be surrounded by that kind of negative thinking, negative talk, and even our own negative self-talk. That's a different conversation. What do you, have either of you guys, any of you guys been in situations where, yeah, you realized, hey, I'm in a really negative environment. It's affecting my attitude. What have you done in that situation? What do you think clients, people can do? I think you, because like we all do get that. And once you kind of notice that for the, the, the very first time you notice when people are being needlessly negative and you notice how it's affecting you, you'll notice it every single time after that. Like as soon as like a ton of people start bitching and, and especially when you start partaking, your, your mood will just like, you know, plummet. I think like literally what you have to do is you have to like eject as much as possible. And now sometimes we don't have control over that. So if you're at work and you're in the office and everybody's bitching about something, uh, that you can't just fucking leave work, you know? Uh, but I do think that you have to try, like you have to actively remove yourself from that solely to kind of like protect your own headspace. And sometimes that may suck. Cause you know, like, you know, your friends may, that may be what they do for fun. You know, a lot of people bitch for fun, you know? Um, but you like, you, you can't, you have to remove yourself. Like it's really like that simple. And like, you're, you're still going to do it at times. We all do, you know, the first time you get pulled over going like six miles per hour over or some shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, but like, you got it. You got to be willing to like catch yourself, you know what I'm saying? And like check yourself. What I, what I do now actually is cause a lot of the time I'll hear negativity about, uh, you know, in a gym setting, it might be uh, a trainer, another client or something, just seeing something in the gym and they're negative about it. And I'll always say this, I'll like, you know what? I used to be in an environment where I'd get pulled into that and I would care more about that sort of stuff. And right now I really try not to dwell on those negative things. That what we're talking about actually doesn't affect me. I'm glad you recognize that as unprofessional or problematic, but I'm going to try to look for little positives and just not get pulled into that negative conversation. Well, even one thing I want to ask, even with that is, is cause we got you guys here is what do you think, I guess for the coaches listening, like how do you frame that in a way to tell someone that, especially when you know that's the problem. Cause I think that that's like, how do you communicate that to someone without being a dick? Like to a client? Yeah. Like in a way where they'll actually fucking do it. Like, you know so what I mean? Like you gotta, can... Okay. Yeah. So you actually have to like, there's like a really specific way to do this. Like, and this is anytime you're talking about a problem to anybody, like you first have to like validate the person to some degree. You have to meet them where they are because like anytime you come at someone, their like defense mechanisms are going to rise immediately because they're going to feel attacked. Right. So like you have to like bridge the gap and meet them where they are to some degree. Um, from there, like you literally, like once they feel comfortable, then you can like start to diffuse the problem, whether it's like, well, you know, like, Hey man, like, you know, uh, I don't know, like, it, like your wife isn't the reason that you're missing the workouts or like, you know, like whatever it is, like you start to kind of like bring logic to it and, and then you kind of leave them with something actionable. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you have to make them comfortable. You have to show them the logic of what's wrong and then you have to give them like, like a better way. Like you, you have to do all three of those and kind of in that order. Because if you just attack someone, they're not going to like take to it. And if you don't, don't give them some actionable and it's a waste of everybody's time and shit like that. So like, like that's really like kind of like the three step process. And Derek actually did that the other day with a client really well. Uh, and you guys can probably speak on that more, but that's usually how I go about doing it. Derek. What did I do? Well, yeah, I it was the, <laughs> I don't want to like shit on a client. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, no, no, you don't have to say any names or anything. Obviously. But, uh, I'm just trying. she was like, uh, Oh, was it like she was like being late with her check-ins and stuff like that and you had to kind of like diffuse it was that you or was that ben i can't remember that was probably ben i mean it could have been me i don't know but i usually handle those types of things really similarly to the way you do um like like you said try to validate them and uh and then get to the get to the what the problem actually is so yeah yeah and i i think again it's it's case dependent so much too yeah. i mean i have i most of my clients, I'm very much, you know, like, hey, you know, how can we do this better? Or what? But there's a couple, there's one client I have, and we have a great relationship. And um, after 12 weeks of the same thing, finally I was like, you know what you need to do? You need to reach down between your legs, grab a hold of those two fucking things hanging there, and be a fucking man. 
because yeah. I don't want to listen to it anymore. And you know what? Because we have a good relationship, he kind of laughs. He's like, you know what? You're right. All right. Right. Dude. Well, then in that case, still, like you still like kind of validated them, but over the ca- over the course of, like twelve weeks, right? Exactly. It wasn't like it wasn't like in the he one actually was like absolutely. twelve <laughs> weeks away. <laughs> like have the yeah. quote ready. He's like, okay, boom, I'm hitting him up with it. Like you planned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. it was, everything is a little bit premeditated. There's not, um, there, you can't, you can't coach on emotion or you're going to be in a bad place. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Some coaches like they try to like, because they're hyper-disciplined, they just like get pissed off when other people aren't. Yeah. Yep. They have to remember like if everyone's hyper-disciplined, like none of us would have jobs. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so like you can't just expect, like you have to like be empathetic to some degree. Like, yeah, yep. man, I'm, I'm sure work is tough. Like you are going through a lot, but, and then you kind of, you know, hit them with the back end. Yeah. And I like to, I like to share my own struggles too. If someone's going through something and let them know either how I've overcome myself or how some of my other clients have overcome it. So then it's like removing them from it, you know, and it's like, and, and giving examples from other times or other people who have, who have done well with it. I'm if that big, makes sense at all. I'm a big believer in, in empathy and sharing. You know, you invariably, because my clientele are virtually all in person. I only do a little bit of online coaching. And you become friends with them. Like, I, a lot of great yeah. friends in my life are current or former clients. And, yeah, like, I'm really, really comfortable with, you know, to a certain degree. It's their time. But, you know, opening up and sharing and what you're going through as it relates to the stuff that they're they're doing. You have to walk a fine line. with. I think some trainers are very walled off and they treat themselves like you know, clinical professions like physiotherapy or, or psychiatry, where especially in that case, legally and ethically, you can't share or become friends with them. Um, despite knowing that some people still do fucking weird shit there, uh, sexual relationships with your <laughs> psychiatrist is a dangerous place to go. But I what? think, I think that, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no personal history of that. Don't worry. <laughs> Open up, but please. That, no, no, there's nothing there. I just that sort of shit does happen. Uh, but at the very it's least, I, I think it's it's really, really okay to be friends with and develop good relationships with your clients and to share with them, you know, some of the personal stuff you're going through. And I think if you walk a, a, a fine line, because we have to sustain a very high level of energy when we interact with people, and if something's not quite right, I think it's really important to let them know, hey, you know what, there's this going on. We're not going to get into it too much but to make sure that they don't pick up on it and think it has something to do with them. And then you can bring the focus back to them as well. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what, what, fuck, I was trying to figure out how do we lead this to empathy? Cause I think that that's like a, a concept lost on a lot of coaches in, in the sense, like how to actually be authentic in your empathy. Cause it, people can read through bullshit a lot of the time, especially when trying to like get someone on your side. We have people in the industry who fake empathy Absolutely. and fake authenticity. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that. So For sure. Your thoughts. Well, dude, and God, I, I don't. Know, I, I'll let Jeb because I'm. I'll just get super negative with that. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you're asking the fucking guy that lives in the, the home of negativity. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll jump in on this because, yeah, I mean, the, my, my the the issue with that becomes, I think, the the when it the thing that noticed that I noticed is when after I went to the fitness summit and I friended all these people and everyone was in the same groups where they're getting all the same coaching and all of a sudden on the same day of the week the vulnerability post comes out yeah and then there's the authenticity po- and you're like dude i mean and trust me <laughs> i've written mine but it, what mine was when i it was after two weeks after i got out of rehab and i was like i need to be honest with this because if i don't then i'm going to fall back into my old habits this isn't about anybody else this is about me and helping myself um and I think it comes from this idea that, that you have to be somebody else in order to sell something. Yeah. Whereas be yourself to make yourself not be crazy in this world of, of marketing and sales. And, and, and that'll, that'll be okay. It's, I think people tried it to be somebody else. Yeah. That's like a, like it, it is like in coaching specifically, I'm sure this is like every field, but it's just a field that we're familiar with. Like, like, you have like two kind of ends of the spectrum. You have people that are completely walled off. Like Andrew said that kind of like just play physiotherapist or whatever. Like, um, then you have people on the other end, which is all this many, like manufactured authenticity. Um, those are usually kind of marketers to some degree. And like, the thing is like, you have to kind of flirt with both to some degree. Like you, you do like, you do have to like sell like, right. Like to some degree. So like, 
being authentic helps there. Having a personality helps there. Like like Andrew's talking about, like you do end up being friends with your clients, and that's because you're a personality, and that's one of the things that keeps them coming back. Um, but but once it gets manufactured, like it gets so. I don't know. It, it just gets so shallow so fast. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing there, and, and people start to like spot that, and it's so weird because like there's no. There's no like real reason to say like oh that's fake as shit, bro. <laughs> but, but, like you can, but you can tell it when you see it. It's kind of like what isn't that like the definition of porn? Like you can tell it like uh you can tell it when you see it or something like that. You I can't I can't <laughs> explain like, what it is, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, well, it, the yeah. In, interesting part with the, like skirting around this because I always trash on business coaches and all that shit. But like as a consumer, like how do you kind of navigate that shit? Like do you think that they're smart enough to get it? And then on the other end, for coaches who are doing it, like do you really think it's going to be that effective to be that manufactured? You know what I mean? That's a good question. Like, like how can a client tell when someone's just being like a fucking fake shithead versus when they're being <laughs> right. real? And I guess does it matter? Yeah. Like, and that's another thing. Does it really matter if it elicits the change? And that's kind of where this whole thing becomes. We have opinions on it, but sometimes all it takes is that manufactured bullshit to get someone to make the change. So it's like it's a weird area to be in right now. For 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 the client, like if if the if the end goal is the same and they get to where they want to be and they're happy, like no, I I don't think it does change anything. For the coach's sake, like I think a hundred percent it does. Yeah. Because like once once you're being like fake and you're just like entertaining all these false conversations, like the shit will burn you out. Yeah. So like yeah. it's not a long term play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then because it's not a long term play, like maybe the client that gets in the door immediately, you get to the end goal. But people that come in after them are just, they're just gonna be getting the burnt out you. You know what I'm saying? So. I, I don't. I don't think it like because the, it like it doesn't last forever. You can't just rely on that. Well, repeatedly. and the reason why I want to bring this up with, especially because we have a lot of coaches listening to this, is we have like three people who have like legit careers in doing this, and not to say that they're they're what you're saying is right. Like you shouldn't be that manufactured, but there is some longevity that needs to be kind of taken into effect with this kind of stuff. Because if you're looking to get into this stuff and you're gonna do the vulnerability post the week everyone's doing it. Like, I don't know if that's sustainable. And I guess we don't know right now because it's kind of all been within the last three years. But, like, your career yeah. needs to be a lot longer yeah. than yeah. that. I, I think it's great to be to be real and to be vulnerable. But at the same yeah. time, and I remember Brian Cron posted about this a while back. Like, we've all got stuff that's fucked up, you know. Like, we know that. So making a post and trying to be over vulnerable every single day just comes off the exact opposite of the way that you intended to be. Good you know? point, yeah. too, yeah. yeah. Like, like there has I, to be a reason, or, or you, know? you come off as being so goddamn dysfunctional <laughs> that you only attract people who are equally as dysfunctional. Right. And everybody right. else well, runs for the hills. I think as a coach and, and as someone who's just, you know, been around for a little while, you know, not necessarily just in coaching, but just in life, the the, the real key to happiness and, and um uh I think Kyle Dobbs posted this the other day is find your tribe. I mean, if you find people who are passionate about the same thing and everyone, I'm sure everyone thinks we're all full of shit. It's stronger. You, I wake up and I love these guys so much. I get so much reinforcement. I feel like I've got the best fucking job on, on the planet and I'm 40. I've had a lot of jobs. Nothing has ever been anything like this. And I'm sure everyone thinks we're full of shit. Well, it sounds all. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is like, and, and. If you look at kind of stronger use, like, oh, we're so positive and all this shit, like whatever. But like you were a hairdresser, drug addict who ran bars. <laughs> Nick's fucking crazy. <laughs> Derek's the only normal one. So I mean, like there is a bunch of people in there that you wouldn't Somebody's expect. But I think that I, I think that that's what makes I mean, it kind of you know, cool. Robbie Robbie Farlow's in there, and you know we all know that Robbie is just completely out there at a different level. Uh, yeah, man. But then, like, I go and meet Dean and we and Anthony, and we go to uh, Pat, you know, Pat, watch Pat Davidson talk about, and I'm sitting there going, "This is this is it." Like, nobody in there is talking about a marketing plan. No, everyone's in there just because they want to fuck shit up, and, and like that's my life. Like, all I want to do is just fuck shit up. Like, I go to the gym, I, I help my clients, I go, you know, do jujitsu and MMA, and like that's all I really care about. And the beautiful thing about Stronger You is all the shit that I don't want to do, someone else does. Yeah. They're going to have a marketing director, you know? We got Nick that can write whatever the fuck we want. We got Tanner who's who's doing, like, editorial stuff. I mean, it just it makes my life great. Oh, we I, got Derek who can be the punching bag and let everybody make fun of him. God, and it's beautiful <laughs> to see. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, what you said—there's got to be that guy. What you said there, Jeb, and it sort of hit on one of the other thoughts that I, I thought would fit well into this was you're really good at having an internal locus of control, uh, and that sort of technical language for again be feeling a sense of control of your outcome, or at least overtaking taking control over things within your life that you can. Versus being that person who feels like everything is external, you have no power over anything. And we know that uh, research or just practically, we know that that's not a very happy place to be if you feel like you're not in control of any aspect of your life. So, What do you think about, be it personal experiences, Derek, um, I'll start with you, about finding things that you can control and building around it? Derek's like, I don't know. Can Derek hear us? Wait, did you ask me a question? Because my thing says poor network connection right now. So I was trying to fix it. You know what we did? You blew it, man. I was looking to see what your thoughts were on (laughs) finding things within your life, within a client's life that you can take control of to have more of a sense of control, an internal locus of control, versus being a victim to feeling like everything is beyond your control. (laughs) Okay, Jeb, you don't fucking take it with... Poor Derek, it looks like he can't... Uh... No, this... you. I, I heard, like, five of those words. Oh, shit. Okay, Jeb, you take it, and Derek, hang out, and we'll get your thoughts on it. Derek after. can jump in later. You... So, I actually have a... a, a um, I, I look at things... I studied Buddhism for a long time, so I look at the world as being almost completely and utterly out of my control. And by allowing myself to, to be in that state, I don't give a shit. So I'm not affected by external um, external things because they're not in my control. And the things like you said, like, what can I control? I can control going into the gym today. I might not even be able to control the weights I lift because I'm, you know, I may feel like shit or whatever. I can control going to jiu-jitsu. Um, I can't control the fact that I'm going to get my ass kicked for an hour and a half. Um, so for me, it's just, just being active in the world and being present and I think so many people are, are stuck in the future and stuck in the past and yeah. they don't spend any time in the now. And I think that's what ends up making people unhappy is because they're, 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 they're worried about the future, which guess what? There's no, there might not be a future. I might fall off my balcony later and be dead in 10 minutes. Like I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm not I mean, worried about the past because I can't change that. All I can do is be better today. And if I, if I'm better today, I end up better tomorrow. And that actually does change the past because my past, instead of being a sad story, can be a, a story of triumph over over hardship. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like a big thing about like 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 not having control is exactly or yeah, not having control like is exactly what leaves people like upset and sad and depressed and anxious, anxious and stuff like that. Um, because like when you have something you can control, you have something you can work on you can work on your life suddenly has meaning no matter how like silly that thing is um that's why you'll see people that are like you know janitors that are just happy as can be you know what i'm saying like because they have something genuinely they can work on um i was just, i was just doing a lecture like a few weeks ago and they were talking about nazi germany and they were t- one of the things that they would do to like like uh the prisoners or whatever is they wouldn't give them jobs that were super proactive so like they would make them carry like a wet bag of sand from one end of the camp to the other and then right back and then right back that way. Like, because like if those people had something like what, you know, if they were building a wall or like painting a building or something like that, like they can make it the best goddamn paint job ever. You know what I'm saying? But if you're just carrying like a, a, a sack back and forth, like your life has no meaning and then you're just left with the pain. Um, so like, you have to find something you can control, no matter how small it is, because that starts to build momentum. That starts to get you in the right head space. And that alone, with the other things, that's why you have people whose lives are just a mess. And then they start eating right and working out and they start to see the body change. And all of a sudden now they get a promotion at work and now they have a girlfriend. It's not because they look better. And that might be part of it. But it's because they took control in one aspect of their life and it started to bleed over. Like the, everything kind of affects everything. And like you... Once you take control of one thing, it gives you a lot of control elsewhere. Um, you can't control everything, but like you, you have to you have to do that. Like because if not, your 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 life is gonna suck and you're gonna die sad. If anyone wants to read yeah. a book that we we got a few books that we'll probably mention, but read a book that hits on all the stuff you just talked about. Would, no, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So Mark Fisher suggested yeah. it in his uh, podcast we had him on a long time ago. 
and it's his favorite book. He reads it every year. I read it. Holy shit, it's intense because it documents uh, Frankel's experience in the concentration camps in the Second World War in some pretty horrific conditions. And the underlying premise is, is that if you can find meaning greater than yourself, you can endure virtually any suffering. And if you also want to put into context the problems that you are currently dealing with, the things that you feel are beyond your control, read the book and, and see what uh, he went through and the people in the same position went through. It'll change your perspective a little bit. But it's a, it's a really good book on finding a purpose greater than yourself. And, and you can tough out some pretty horrible stuff you never thought possible. Even well, There's the also some very Jungian aspects to that as well in that yeah. That seeing the depths of depravity that, that human beings can can go to and admitting that that is a part of all of us, that none of us are <laughs> are immune to that, also, I think, helps us to see the good. Again, very, you know, Eastern philosophy kind of yin yang. But I think there's a there's a big benefit to that as well. Well, it's Carl, the, had it's, a quote oh, that yeah. I shared with Derek earlier that was like, I forget. The, I just thought the, the wording was pretty, but it was something along the lines of like, like, uh. For like a tree to reach up to heaven, it has to have its roots buried in hell. And like, oh, I thought that's that, good. Uh, that's yeah, really yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have to like, so like how we're talking about our, like control and control. Like, like growth is like literally being uncomfortable enough to where you're growing, but like structured enough to where like it's it's kind of staying together. You know, so like you have to have one foot in both sides. Like shit has to suck, but you have to like fight it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you have to kind of learn to. I say learn how to eat shit, but like you have yeah, to like, like it, 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 it's horrible, but like we, we even talked Derek and I about our injuries have pushed us forward. Like it's almost like that struggle ended up getting us to that other place, but without that, we wouldn't have got where we're going. So it's not that we should search out injury, but I've even, even pieced together in my mind and like, did I do this stupid shit? So I get smarter. Like maybe unconsciously I did, but it, that's how fucking deep this shit goes. And I don't think that most people understand that process. And as coaches, yeah. The cool thing about Stronger You is not you're not telling them to eat shit, but you are kind of building those skills in them along the way, and that's kind of the cool thing with process like that. Derek, how are you doing but there with your connection? Once they get to a certain yeah. level, oh, once they get to a certain level, we will tell them. You have to tell them it's time to eat shit. If you want to reach that one percent or that five percent or yeah. be, you know, that super lean person, if you want to, do it, you're going to have to learn to eat shit. Like get your you roots, got yeah, get your roots out, in hell. Do y'all think right now someone's listening, like, and they're like, "Where do I even buy shit?" <laughs> like do i really need to do yeah. that yeah nick's like dig down you gotta dig very deep to get to hell <laughs> yeah man it's like you said the other day jeb like uh you said you texted your coach that uh the thought of eating more chicken and rice like absolutely makes you sick to your stomach you know yeah but you've got it you've got to do it if you could because you're chasing something that's a little yeah. bit more extreme than what most people are chasing i'm past my genetic <laughs> limit yeah what were you going to say, Andrew? I, know, I, know well, you were... I, I was just trying to make sure that Derek was able to hear us and uh, get him in on the conversation. So how are you doing there, buddy? Yeah, I, <laughs> Out of his I control. can hear you now. Uh, I'm just making sure that there's not an echo. Uh, my headphones died. My <laughs> phone is dying. I was going through all kinds of technical difficulties, but uh, we're back now. So as long as there's no echo. <laughs> it's actually good. a perfect it's you're, perfect situation for exactly what we talked about. You know what? You're still positive in yeah. terms of those being out of your control. But well, Derek's, Derek's be, living man. proof. One of my favorite concepts is to find opportunities within obstacles. Obviously, The Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday is one of my all-time favorite books. Everyone should read it. It's just that good. It makes me think about... I'm not going to get into too much detail because there is some contentious shit right now. Uh, when I left my former employer, I, there were a lot of things going on that I had some problems with. And so there was a lot of battling back and forth with some other people. And because I'm high on disagreeability as a personality trait, and I don't tolerate... <laughs> things oh is, is that no shocking way. to anyone uh, anyone who knows me is gonna be like yeah that sounds about right uh, there were th some things that I wasn't happy about or I wasn't willing to tolerate and of course that put me in the line of the crosshairs of some other things so ultimately I did end up having to choose to leave it was not a situation where I could continue to be it was, it was unhealthy for me so <clears throat> but because of the events that happened I won't be specific it presented me with the best opportunity in my career. It's the reason why I met all you guys. Was leaving, going out on my own, uh, becoming a contractor at uh, Evolve Strength, the gym that I'm at. And ultimately, a lot of the fitness professionals in the city saw that I was successful doing this, and they followed. <clears throat> so we saw the city's industry grow, and a lot of people do really well. 
But I look back and everything that happened, I am grateful for it. I am thankful despite that there was some discomfort at the time. Some of it was really stressful because it led to a better opportunity. Uh, I'm able to make greater income. I'm certainly able to help more people. The podcast sprung out of all this stuff because that's how I met Guido is, you know, in that gym. And again, all the stuff that, you know, all these friends that I made across the industry. So I don't know, like Jeb, you certainly sound like you've had, you've taken opportunities out of previous obstacles. I don't know if any of you guys had anything to add to that. The one thing I wanted to ask, even with that and with you guys, with some of your stories, were you consciously looking for positives in the shitty situations or was that something you reflected on in, in like after the fact, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm kind of annoying in, in that aspect. It's like, if you, if people meet me, like I'm a, I'm a real black and white dude. I hate something or I love something. Um, and so like a lot of times I'll be like, yeah, fuck this, fuck this guy, whatever. And people are like, whoa. But then at the same time, like some terrible shit happens. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Look at this. And people are like, how? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm not going to look at the shit because I'm not going to, it's there. It's going to be there anyways. I might as well make something good out of it. Yeah, I can actually relate a lot to uh, to your background, Andrew, um, because whenever I was training at Lifetime, there was just and and I was, I'm super thankful for having that job, and it led me to kind of where I'm at now. But there's tons of things that I disagree with, just like the fact that I thought we sold a lot of BS things, like uh, basal metabolic rate testing that probably wasn't even the most accurate way to do it, detox kits, things like that. Oh God! And there was a, there was this huge culture, man, where like someone would come in for the consultation, and we're supposed to do what was called like a metabolic code questionnaire, but we go through this thing and, uh, and, and find out about, we're supposed to find out about people's like thyroid hormones, cortisol. And at the end of it, they want you to, uh, to sell a stress and resilience or a cortisol test that measures your cortisol, um, and recommend a detox. And I always thought it was complete bullshit. So I want to say, uh, clearly right now, I never sold one detox in five and a half <laughs> years while I was at lifetime. Um, but anyways, it was just those types of things that, uh, actually ended up leading me to working for stronger you and a company that I fucking love and believe in wholeheartedly. Who's never going to push those types of things on people. So that's just one way where, you know, a lot of kind of, I guess, disagreements led to uh, a much better opportunity for me and taking something that works out better where I can uh, work from home and uh, maybe travel a little bit more if I want to down the road. And all those types of things. So just be careful because Mike and Mike might turn around and start peddling detox teas. And <laughs> no, right? <laughs> make, oh man, I would, you get lots of money. Screwed on that, <laughs> I'd be done. Well, the one, the, the reason why I asked that, even in the sense, like I, I think this might be Buddhist too, is like maybe it's not. Is that when bad things happen, you almost name them for what they are, and then understanding them in the moment. And if you can get better at that process, you can start making obstacles. I guess the way in terms of what the book is doing, but instead of it being like after the fact, so almost recognizing shit when it happens, because we talk about eating more shit, but if you don't understand you're eating shit, you're not going to learn from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I don't know that that's where I was kind of wondering with your guys. And, past. and, and it comes to me, all of life is the same thing that, that we preach at such a like micro level with our clients. Like, there's no good or bad food. Yeah. There's just fuel. Yep. Like there's no good or bad people. There's no, I mean, people do fucked up shit. People do great stuff, but it, it's, it's all part of the same thing. Yep. And not only is there like no good or bad foods, but it's best to think like even about your own situations, you know, like nothing's really good or bad. It's just either something that, uh, it's just see what you can take away from it. And that's kind of something that they talk about in that book as well. The obstacle is the way it's like, try to be objective about things and not have too much emotion with like every single thing that happens to you in everyday life. Like don't always look for something, whether it's good or bad, you know, like even a client will shoot me a text or something and be like, Hey, is it bad that I went over like 40 grams of carbs or something today? And I'm like, no, like it's not bad. Like shit happens, but uh, let's see what we can learn from it so that you stay on track better tomorrow. You know? What if it was 400 grams? <laughs> 400 grams? You're fucked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish it worked that easy. I eat 400 to 500 grams of carbs and I barely put a pound on. Yeah, <laughs> me. Shit, I've been binging on uh, Halloween chocolate. I bought two bags of like, oh, Henry bars and Reese's oh. peanut butter cups at when it went on sale afterwards. I've been collaborating this stuff. <laughs> and I, I looked at the scale of like, I'm down ha- a pound and a half. You're it's just like, buying a bunch of obstacles, man. And people are just upset hearing this because like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> 
Andrew's 260 though, and he's trying to stay 260. So you have to, you have oh, to instead hard. of it being shit, you got to literally eat and shit. I, and I, it's not like I'm fat or anything. Like I'm not spilling over, so it's uh, yeah. Yeah. we're not talking yeah, eight pounds. I'm only 180 pounds, and I'm even to the point right now where like my carbs are up over 400, 450 grams per day, and like I've got to do shit like put. I don't know, put coffee creamer in my coffee and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and put honey in my protein shakes and stuff like that, just so that I can, uh, get that amount down without feeling like stuffed all day. So I can't imagine being 260 and, and trying to do that too. That you get used to eating the volume of food. I suppose that goes to one of the other things that I thought was a really valuable point to talk on. And that's just doing the little habits every day. Uh, t- no matter how bad things feel or whatever's going on in your life, so that way you can build to a better tomorrow. It's something I try to instill in my clientele a lot. And as I've gone through ups and downs, you know, broken relationships and, you know, various different like high points and low points in my career, my workouts have never been something I've been willing to sacrifice. My baseline nutrition is really, really good. And what this is what I tell clients who are going through some rough stuff. Um, I, have, I have a client who recently actually lost a family member. It was pretty devastating. Another client, uh, a family member, was involved in a motorcycle accident, and that sort of disrupted her lifestyle a bit. And, when I, and both really felt the temptation to kind of let it all fall apart, because especially with women, they often tend to be the, the caretakers of the family, and there's this sense of guilt to put themselves first or even like do anything for themselves as there's other people around them that they have to care for. And for some women, that's an ongoing thing just in their everyday lives. They feel like their kids and their family comes first, and they come last. You still should, no matter what is going on, do some basic stuff, really instill those habits so that you are caring for yourself. If you just had a really bad breakup and you're in a terrible place, the workouts, the nutrition, if you can prioritize those, there's going to come a point where you feel different. You feel better. You have put yourself in a very good position to come out the other side of it okay. It will help with your emotional battle with it, but it puts you in a good position as some time passes. I don't know. Thoughts on that, guys? So, so earlier, like, I mentioned Flaw, the dude that Dev and I met through and stuff like that. And he, so, whenever he kind of withdrew from, like, the industry, he was very successful. Like, it wasn't like a, like, I, did, I wasn't making enough money. Like, he was doing really well. He just started being very, very burnt out. And he started to get to a point where he thought that, like, the way to fix that was to, like, just stop all together. Like, to do nothing. And that, he just needed like, you know, a week off or two weeks off or whatever. And then it would just be back. But what happened is he did that. He just disappeared. Um, and then I, I talked to him like a few months after that, a few months ago now. And he told me like things didn't get better. Like it just, that feeling just sat there. Like, so, and you, you, you see that people do this all the time. Like whether it's for a good reason or a bad reason, like in diet, people will be doing really, really well. And they'll be like, they'll, they'll start to think they deserve to like, take a day off or whatever and then they can't get back on track um doing like the little things like you said are so important solely for like the aspect of like momentum which is like it's almost become like a cliche because you hear it so often but it's so cliches become cliches for a reason you know like it's so important like it doesn't matter like that's why i tell people like like if you're walking or like what i like just just do it just get there because like the hardest part of doing anything is like getting off the couch you know like and once you you do a little bit like you're always going to do a little bit more than what you expect. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if your goal is like, well, I'm going to go to the gym and at least do one set, you're not going to stop at one set, you know? Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> if you were trying to take some time off work, like maybe you just reply to your emails because it's not going to stop there. You know what I'm saying? You're going to keep going. But if you don't, it's going to be so hard to like get back on. I tell clients all the time, like, like if you win tomorrow, the day after is going to be so much easier. But if you lose tomorrow, yeah. the day after is going to be so much harder, you know? I like that a lot. Yeah. That's something that James Clear talks a lot about in his book, Atomic Habits, too. And one thing that uh, I really, really love from that that I'm going to, you know, uh, kind of implement with my clients all the time is, like, don't ever miss twice. So yeah. if you mess up one day, your your next meal is good. You're back on it, you know? Yeah. It's, well, that's the beauty of the whole thing is that you can fix everything. Like, if you screw up, if you massively fuck everything up when it comes to nutrition, you can be right back on track in another hour. Like you don't yeah. have to. Like it's yep. not a life screw up. It's it's an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't really have to start tomorrow. You know, if you fucked up breakfast, lunch, like at least make yeah. dinner good. But a lot of yeah. people don't yep. do it because they think they have like the sunk. What is it called? It's like sunk cost. Sunk cost. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're like they must so, be fucked yeah. up. So like I'll just you know 
get back on tomorrow. Like, no, like don't get like the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's the big thing with people is like, well, should I start? I'm like, there's always something else. There's yeah. always another party. There's always another holiday. There's always a yep. reason to put this off. And it gets Just easier to accept those, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember in college, like, my goal was, like, not to skip a class ever, which, <laughs> you know, didn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, but like, after you skip, like, that first class, the first time it's, like, kind of stressful. But then the next time it gets so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time you're late to work, the first time you snooze, like, the clock. Or, like, once you give in once, like, it, it, it's so much easier to, like, accept those excuses. That's yeah. a really good point. I like the fact you brought up Atomic Habits. It was a book on the list I thought was relevant to this episode. Um, it's it's actually not a long book compared to some of the other ones. Really easy to read. It condenses down some ideas from a more elaborate book on habits called Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which is great if you're really interested. And uh, it borrows aspects from a book called The Slight Edge, which is really about every day doing little things that don't feel like much, but they set you on the road to exponential growth later on as they add up and that means working out every day that means good nutrition every day or metaphorically virtually every day um saving a little bit of money like whatever reading 10 pages in a of good literature to educate yourself these are some of the concepts mentioned in there these are really good baseline habits if you can actually try to establish these things over the course of a week it's not going to amount to much it'll feel good you've done this for five years to 10 years and I think that almost, well, I think all of us probably have done things like that. And that is why we are all here where we are. Jeb, your story and mine are actually more similar than you realize. And I certainly know that it's one of the reasons why I'm in the position I'm in versus, you know, the aftermath of owning a nightclub and all the partying and, yeah. the, and the bullshit. And that was another obstacle situation that led me to move cities, change my lifestyle. And it's led to where things are right now. So... It may not feel like it for anyone listening who's struggling with something that, oh, just making that small step today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Like you said, today yeah. might not feel like much. It is the first step on a, if you can keep those steps going, the, the way that it can add up is unbelievable. Yeah. And there's like a, a compounding effect to it, right? So like 1% today is not 1% a year from now, right? It isn't just one, one, one. It's, you know, it, it grows over time because you start to become better at it. You start to become more efficient and more talented. And like, so like you're 1% today, like the same effort taken to get that will get you 5% next year if you start today. And it's kind of like saving money and shit like that. Like you said, like, like it, it's so hard. Some, like you tell someone like, just save 5% of your paycheck. And people are like, oh, that seems like nothing. And then next year they're, they're still living paycheck to paycheck. When, when, if they had done that, like they would have some money saved up and stuff like that. Like it's, there's such a compounding effect to it. I think, yeah. um, especially for our coaches, the career side of stuff too. And uh, one of the ones I really like a lot is listening to Dean Somerset talk about how like when he first started writing a blog, um, I'm not sure if anyone past his mom or maybe a couple clients were the ones reading it. You look at the guy now and, you know, he's speaking all over the world, his info products, he's got tons of them. He's, he's actually probably one of the best public speakers we've seen in our industry. He's certainly grown a really big brand and name for himself. That added up over the course of a career that, shit, what has he been doing this for 15-ish years or so? It's somewhere near that. Yeah, it, it started humbly, but he's a guy who continued to work da- like daily, regularly at these sort of habits. So as a coach who's trying to get out there into something, we see all these coaches now who want to be insta-famous really quickly and have it happen overnight. It's not quite that's how it That's works. the problem. I think like the habits work. And it's, it's easy for us to like say, fuck, like do this habit and over time it'll compound. But that's the reason why fad diets, all that shit works is because it gets some that realization fast. And like, it's hard to sell yeah. fucking shitty information. Like be, be very, like, like do this shit over and over again. Sleep, eat your, eat your protein, all that stuff. It's not sexy. And I, not it's just, it's just a very hard realm for us in this industry yeah. to kind of sell that. <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, I guess, what are your, just to turn this into some information for people, what's the best way that you guys been, been made, made people able to realize that the 1% gains is where it's at as opposed to selling like the easy shit? So like when it comes to like coaches and stuff like that, like I actually said something to Tanner and Derek and then yesterday, like, and I don't even, this is like, this is something I don't even know if I said or if I just picked up from someone else subconsciously, but it's like a, like you didn't fail, you just quit too soon. So like in the fitness industry specifically, like most people get a lucky break at some point. 
it's just yeah, like yeah. it's just someone may get it you know the first month their shit may just pop like like mike mike dola like not not that he was lucky you know but like his shit popped off really fast most people can be successful in whatever they're doing if they stick with it because something will give at a certain point it's just you may be one of the people that it takes three years for things to give and a lot of people quit before that but like things hit if you just like you don't have to but stick with it long it, enough like you have to give it time something that and, yeah. oh and i think a big a big important thing is too is like everyone wants the easy money yeah like you gotta you gotta put the fucking work in like i'm sorry you want your clients to put in years worth of work and then you want to show up graduate from school walk into a fitness place go online and be a big shot like i'm sorry yeah. It's not how it works. Yeah. On the other end of this, this would be interesting. When when is it? I guess when is it time for people to realize sometimes though that the shit they're doing isn't the right way? Does that make sense? Because like you could tell someone to do, someone thinks they're doing the right things over and over again, but really they were doing the shitty things over and over again. Like how do you get people to that realization or or no one to quit? So yeah, so you literally pay attention to what you're doing and you quit taking advice from everybody. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you listen to all these mastermind fuckers and all, like all these articles like on the PTDC and they're great, but like, like get use that stuff to get you started, but then pay attention to the shit's working or not. Yeah, and then like grow from there. Like quit listening to everybody else. And like Mike says all the time, just give a shit. Like give a yep. shit about yourself. Like I, I, don't, I, you know, this is a couple years ago, and and it still fucking riles me up. But when a fitness professional wrote this article about how he looks like fucking dog shit because he doesn't have time to work out because he's reading too much. I was like, go fuck yourself. You know <laughs> what? Go, don't, don't give me that bullshit. You, you might look like shit, but that's because you're not prioritizing yourself. And don't, don't sell me some, some reason behind it. Like, are you um, really reading that much? You know, like, yeah, you don't have a PhD behind your name. You're not yeah. reading that much. Yeah. I'm a big, it's a big, big pet peeve of mine. If fitness professionals don't make every effort to be in the best shape possible, I'm not the converse point of that is to, I'm not saying, hey, you should judge people based on not being in shape. That's that's not fair. But we have to accept the reality that people, and one of my clients mentioned this to me yesterday and, and cited a reason why she trains with me is is the physical shape that I'm in and how she would never, and she's, she's actually really fit. Like she's ripped. She's done bikini shows. She would never train with a trainer who wasn't as fit as she is. While that might not seem fair or nice, you know, it's the reality. And if you as a fitness professional are not prepared to face the reality that one of the things holding you back from being busy is the fact that people look at you and, and think you're not in shape, so I wouldn't train with you. The only thing that will, and this goes to the core of what we're talking about, taking control of the situation. You can piss and moan and cry about all you want. Go do something about it. Get yourself in better shape. And if you're going to use, it, and I'll say it, excuses as a fitness professional that you don't have enough time, then how the fucking hell are you going to convince a client of yours to make those same sacrifices when they're telling you the same thing if you can't yep. do it. So I don't buy into that. I wanted to finish up with two things. One is, well, I actually got to bounce because I got to go deal with something. You guys keep going. Luck was mentioned earlier. Don't mm -hmm. underestimate the role of luck in all of this. Yes. Luck is a very big player in everything that happens in your life. But the things that you take action on and control and your attitude will put you in a position to benefit from luck a lot better than if you're the person sitting back and just hoping something good happens to you while blaming the world for all the stupid shit that if you look, you might be the common denominator for all the bad things that ever happened to you and continue to happen to you. So it becomes about a change of attitude. So guys, really amazing catch up with all three of you. Guido's going to keep this going, keep the conversation going. And this was an unbelievable episode. And I think we might have broken the record for swearing, which is cool. So <laughs> Did you just he just threw a Thanks, smoke Nick. bomb. <laughs> okay, guys, love you all. Uh, we'll talk soon. And so anyone listening, I just want to throw this one out there. Uh, the guys will all give you their contact info to find them on social media. Follow them. They're three really, really great guys. Stronger You is doing wonderful stuff. If you are someone who has listened to our podcast for the first time because you follow any of these guys, check out some of our other episodes with uh, Michael Lessie, Mike Dola, the the other Stronger You episode. Nick has been on before. We've mentioned a few people who, Dr. Mike Gizotel, we've got a bunch of episodes with him. We've got a lot of really great stuff. And if you like it, stick around, get online, share it, uh, fucking subscribe it, give us a five-star rating. This stuff helps us get in front of more people. And 
have real conversation versus a lot of the fluffy bullshit that we see too much of. So guys, keep it going. Thanks so, so much. That was the weirdest. Thanks, that was the weirdest exit. Um, Thank God, John. As, as he's leaving, I think the Get best. Out. I think the best way to end this actually is to like wrap up in terms of, I guess, where's the best place to kind of find information about you? Because we all know you're part of Strong View, but the cool thing is you each have your own individual brand. So just I guess starting with Derek, where's the best place to kind of find information about what you do and read what you write and all that shit. Yeah, so um, I've got a website, but I haven't actually put anything on there in a couple of years. So the best place to find me uh, is on Facebook, just my name, Derek Stanley. And then uh, I try to do pretty regular posting on Instagram, at DStanleyFit, the most cliche fitness person uh, handle on the planet. You have to have that. I think that that's like, that's that's part of the mastermind. That's the first thing you learn in any of these masterminds is you got to have like the fitness pro name. Did you, yeah, sure deadlift, Did you go you to one? Did you go to one? Always. Have you gone to any of the masterminds lately? I haven't. Oh. Anyways. I've never been to one. You're missing out. Yeah, you are missing out. Well, once you've been to one, though, you've been to all of them, correct? Like, I, I'm i assuming that we've all been. I haven't been to one, but I kind of understand. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're invaluable. It's just they're not valuable for the reasons that their pitch is being valuable. Yeah, I won't go off on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just um, MLM. Find me. I've got uh, on Facebook, Jeb Stewart Johnston, S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, and same thing on Instagram. Uh, my website is brooklynstrong.net. Um, I couldn't sick. get .com. So and I'm not willing to pay for anything like that. Um, I, my website hasn't been updated. A lot. Honestly, I don't write as much as I probably should or used to. But um, I do a lot more short form stuff on uh, Facebook, because I just, honestly, I feel like that's where the engagement is. Um, I probably should be better about writing more stuff. Um, my website is more, um, focused towards, uh, combat sports athletes. So, uh, BJJ MMA fighters looking to improve their physique and, um, you know, get better into weight class stuff. Whereas Facebook is definitely more Instagram is more general population stuff. So it's probably more applicable to most people. Nick, Nick's the ghost on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just search my name, Nick Sorrell, S-O-R-R-E-L-L. Um, Instagram, same thing. It's just backslash Nick Sorrell. Um, and then you can find bits and pieces of me at Stronger You through Brian Cron, through Physiconomics, through TLT Rev- uh, Revolution. Uh, little bits of me pop up a lot of places, but Facebook's the place to find me. Cool, guys. Um I guess Andrew already did the spiel. That was actually, this is the cool thing about this podcast is we don't have it like planned. So when shit like that happens, we'll just record it. I'm not editing that. Like that was awesome. He's like, I think I'm leaving at 10 15. He's like, gets up. I'm fucking gone. See you guys. And then he sat back down and did the five star review, shared all that shit. Like he's on point. So yeah, man. Nailed it. Um, cool. Thanks for having, well, thanks. Thanks for coming out. I think that was awesome guys. It's kind of cool to hear perspectives from, I guess, the same organization, but just understanding that within that realm, you can have three different personalities with pretty much a very similar message. It's just kind of said a different way. Yeah. So I hope that the the listeners got something out of that in terms of kind of applying that to yourself and any of the coaches listening, follow these guys because I think that they have a good understanding of what it takes to have longevity in this, I guess, industry. And it'll be kind of cool to see how things plan out. So see you guys. And I'll see you guys in about a month, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Awesome. Shut up and sit down.